I'd like to invite any children in the sanctuary to make your way forward and for a minute together. And if you're worshiping from home, just get a little closer to the screen. We'll wave to you. Come on up. Hi, Remy. Come on up. I've got lots of friends coming up to join us. Have a seat. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Wow, more coming down the aisle. So great to see all of you. Welcome, welcome. I hope I'll be seeing some of you tomorrow night in Vacation Bible School. I get to tell the Bible story tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to that very much. There's a game that we used to play when I was little called Follow the Leader. I don't know if any of you have ever played Follow the Leader. Have you? Awesome. Great. You've heard of it? You think you've played it? Well, maybe you can play it sometime soon. So someone is it. Someone's the leader, and they walk, and they do things, and everybody else has to follow them and do whatever they do. So the leader might, you know, walk around over here, and everybody would have to walk around the table. And then the leader might go like this, and everybody has to do that. The leader might make a face, and everybody's got to do that. So it's a really fun game, and you have to pay close attention to the leader, because you're supposed to do what the leader does. The word that we use sometimes is imitate. You're supposed to imitate the leader and do what they do. This morning in our Bible lesson, Jesus turned to people and said, follow me. And that made me think about how following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus is a little bit like playing follow the leader. We want to do what Jesus does. We want to act like Jesus acted. We want to imitate Jesus. And so it's important to read our Bibles and learn about how Jesus acted and what he did, how he healed people, how he really cared about people who were, who were poor and people that others didn't pay attention to, how loving he was, kind and gentle, how he always told the truth. And we want to do that too. If we're going to follow Jesus, then we need to do what he did and act as he acted, to play follow the leader with Jesus as our leader. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the life of Jesus and how you showed us how to live. Help us to learn more and more about him and to do what we can to be like him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much. If you are three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie uh, to Children's Church, and Pastor Brandon's going too. And if you're older than that, you can return and sit with parents or friends. Thanks for listening. Well, it's summertime, and I know that many of you have been traveling. My family and I just got back on Friday night from a week at the beach. We were in the car for 10 hours. Uh, we were not always moving. We sat in traffic a few times south of Asheville, but we made it home. Had a day to rest and do laundry, 
And now here it is, Sunday morning, and all of us together are invited to go on another trip. We are invited to travel with Jesus, starting today. And our journey is going to take us through the Gospel of Luke, the middle chapters of the Gospel of Luke, and we'll be making this journey with Jesus all the way through the month of October. We're going to take a little break in August to spend some time in the book of Hebrews. But otherwise, Luke is our guide as we follow Jesus for these next few weeks and months. We're going to see him as he heals people. We're going to listen to his teachings. We're going to hear some of the great stories, the parables that he told. We're going to see him confront and challenge the religious leaders and the self-righteous. And all along the way, we're going to take his words and his actions into our own lives. We're going to be following the leader and asking of ourselves, how can we imitate Christ? How can we be more like Christ in our daily living, in our world as it is? We start this morning in chapter 9, verse 51, where Jesus' journey takes a new direction. Up until this point, he's been traveling around the Galilee, the villages of Galilee, teaching and preaching and gathering followers. But in verse 51, as Ed read it to us, he sets his face to Jerusalem. And from here on out, everything that happens, happens on the road to Jerusalem, on the road to the cross. And so the shadow of the cross falls across our entire journey. We're aware of where he's headed, even if perhaps those following him in the moment didn't know where he was headed. And this morning, we get to hear him say the actual words, follow me. And in these few verses, he lays out for us some of what that means, what that will demand of us, what that will cost us, what they will ask of us. So I want to explore these first few verses and to see if we're ready to step out and follow Jesus on this road to Jerusalem. Jesus begins his journey. If he'd had access to Google Maps, he would have pulled up the destination Jerusalem, hit the button, and seen that the straightest route to Jerusalem was through Samaria. Now, you may remember, you may know that the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along with each other. They considered each other enemies. Even though they were very closely related by ancestry, they had some disagreements about theology, imagine that, and they just didn't want to be with each other. And yet here Jesus sets the first step of his journey, intending to go through Samaria, to spend time with the other, to spend time among the enemy, We'll find in a couple of weeks, he actually lifts up a Samaritan as an example in a parable of someone who shows compassion. But in this case, the interaction doesn't go so well. He sends a few of his disciples ahead to a village to say, will you welcome Jesus? And they say, no, because he's going to Jerusalem. They reject him because of who he is. He's a Jew. And they reject him because of his mission. He's going to Jerusalem. And so James and John, bless their hearts, turn to Jesus and say, can we call down fire upon them and destroy them because they rejected us? 
Now, before we judge them too quickly for their impulse, there's precedent for this. The prophet Elijah had done just that in the Old Testament. He called down fire upon his enemies. But Jesus rebukes them. I wish I knew what Jesus said, but we don't know what he said. He just rebukes them and says, no. We find out in the verses that we will hear next week, Jesus' idea about all of this is that if someone refuses to receive you, if they reject you, just shake the dust off your feet and move on. Jesus is so focused on his mission. He's not concerned about who's rejecting him, who's with him. He's not interested in turning back and condemning them and wasting time and energy trying to change their minds. He's just ready to move on. I sympathize with James and John because there are ways in my life that I, first of all, I hate rejection. I don't like feeling like someone won't listen to me because of who I am or because of who I, what I believe or what I think my mission is or who reject us as a congregation because of who we are or what our mission is. And I'd like to spend time trying to change their minds and, and in debate with them and listen, don't you? And yet here Jesus is saying, wipe the dust off your feet and keep moving. And in that I also hear that God is not finished with them in the same way that God is not finished with us. If we move on and keep going, that doesn't mean the story is over for any of us. But to keep focused on Christ and our mission, keep moving, Jesus says. The second lesson comes when a man runs up to Jesus and says with great enthusiasm, just what I want to say to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' reaction is interesting. Instead of saying, that's wonderful, come along, let's go. It's almost like Jesus is trying to talk him out of it at first. He says, foxes have holes and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's as if he's saying, if you follow me, you'll never be quite comfortable. If you follow me, there will never be a time when you get to stop and say, I've arrived. I have certainty. My theology is perfect. My ministry is done. I've done all the good I can do. I can finally stop. I can retire from following Jesus. The Son of Man has no place of comfort to lay his head. And that is tough to accept. Because there's so much in my nature, and I think it's in human nature, that thinks that the whole point of life is to get to a place where you're safe and secure, where you can rest, where you can find comfort, where you get to stop. But Jesus seems to be saying that's not the point of life following him. There will always be things that we continue to learn, that we continue to have to unlearn. There will always be ways that we are challenged and stretched and the things that we thought we knew we have to rethink. We can never be totally comfortable. In fact, in those moments when we are most uncomfortable, perhaps it is then that the spirit is doing its best work in us. Now, to be sure, that doesn't mean that we don't get rest along the way. 
Of all the Gospels, Luke emphasizes the most Jesus' pattern of withdrawing for prayer, for silence, for time with God. This rhythm of ministry out in the world and retreat in time with God. We see Jesus actually resting comfortably on a pillow in one scene. But of course, he's in a boat that's in the midst of a storm that's traveling from one village to the next. He had that ability to go deep and rest in God, even in the midst of the tumult of the journey. So what might that have to teach us about this pattern of life we are called to imitate? In the final movement of these verses, Jesus actually turns to a couple of folks and says, follow me. And both of them say, I will, but yes, but. <laughs> you find that? It's kind of funny, you know, okay, I'm ready to go, but I need to do one more thing. And the struggle I have with this passage in particular is that the things that these people need to do first are important things. They're family things. Let me go bury my father. Let me go say goodbye to my family. And that has caused many of us over time to question, is Jesus calling us to, to abandon our families sometimes? Am I supposed to go be a missionary somewhere and, and shirk my responsibilities to those closest to me? And as I have prayed and pondered those questions, and I've heard people struggle with those questions, I think I've come to a deeper understanding that what Jesus is saying to these folks is, the kingdom comes first. Following me comes first. Look at all of life through the lens of Christ. Let nothing else guide your actions or your thoughts or your emotions. Put me first, Christ says. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will find their right place. So when someone comes to me and says, I want to be more involved in the church, I want to be engaged in ministry, but I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and I just don't have time. I'll get to it later. Yes, but. I feel that what I can do to help is to say, you already are in ministry. Christ is right there in that rocking chair at two o'clock in the morning. Place your parenting with, look at it through the lens of Christ. You are raising up a disciple, showing them what God's unconditional love looks like, even when the, they're teenagers, even in those troubling, hard years for all of us, that unconditional love. Or someone saying, I want to do this ministry at the church, but I'm taking care of my aging mother who has Alzheimer's. And I want to say sitting by your mother's bed and being present to her and loving her when she does not know who you are is living out God's unconditional love and it's ministry. It's not either or. Christ is in all of these things. As we think about everything that's going on in our world, you know, I spent time on my vacation pondering this sermon and, and thinking through things and then... We got the news late in the week about Roe versus Wade being overturned and seeing on Facebook all of the reactions and responses and my own personal reactions to that, some of which I'll share tomorrow in my Monday meditation, 
along with where the United Methodist Church is in the conversation. But as I said all of that next to this passage, it challenged me to remember that all of these kinds of questions I must look at through the lens of Christ, not through any political party or any particular leader or any set of whatever the agenda might be, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, to look at these questions in our world that are very real and affect real people in real lives through the love and compassionate eyes of Christ. I cannot stand here and tell people what to think. My job is to point us to the one whom we follow and invite us all to be in prayer and living out the gospel as we feel called to do in this world, in this moment, just as it is. Jesus seems to have placed some challenges before us. He doesn't promise we won't get rejected. We will. There will be those along the way who reject our mission, who reject who we are because of who we are, who reject Christ right out. He doesn't promise that we'll be comfortable. In fact, it's almost the opposite. We will be taken to places of discomfort in our world and within ourselves. And we don't always know where we're going. And we're called to put Christ first above all things. And that is a daily, hourly challenge. So the question before us is, are we ready to step out and say yes? When he says, follow me, do we take that next step, taking on all that he's already laid out before us? I want to. I want to follow Jesus. And I want all of you as companions on the way. It is not easy. It will never be easy but he promises us, he will always be with us, that there will be freedom and joy deeper than we could ever know if we were not on the journey. So how about it? Are you ready to step out? Let's go.